Today's reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very natural, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by talking the very natural of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man by humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and even tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Amen thank you Braden for reading our scripture this morning such a powerful word and I'm delighted to be with you to share something around that I'm Pastor Sharon for those of you gathering with us online and here in this space good to be together I invite you to pray with me as we dig into God's word together Lord we thank you we thank you for your word we thank you for your spirit we thank you for this community of all ages who seek to honor your name and now as we look at this passage of scripture together and look at our own lives we invite your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do make it real sink it deep into our hearts we pray in Jesus name amen so I don't know about you but I'm often intrigued by stories of people who've risen from lowly places to places of prominence and wealth we call these rags to riches story right they often are used to inspire people and to say see it can be done anybody can achieve the good life if they work hard enough and pursue it these rags to riches story and that's we're going to talk about that today some in a reverse way we're going to talk a little bit about downward mobility but rags to riches I don't know if you know this gentleman Leonardo del Vecchio you may not know his name, you may not recognize his face, but I bet you know something about his company. Del Vecchio is um, owner of a huge company that sells sunglasses, right? Ray-Ban, Oakley, he owns LensCrafter, he owns Sunglasses Hut. All of those things are part of his empire. Well, he did not start out that way. This celebrated Italian fashion icon, entrepreneur, he started out in poverty. He was born, um, well, actually, even before he was born, five months before he was born, his father passed away. And so he, when he was born in Milan in 1935, he was born into poverty. And eventually, his mother couldn't even support him, and he was taken to an orphanage at age seven. And then later, at age 14, he went to work at a tool and dye maker to kind of help support his family, and that led to something else, and he said, I'm going to use these skills to start making sunglasses, and then he started a company, and now this gentleman is 
worth $26.1 billion, the 61st most rich man in the world. And I think it's very interesting that we actually keep track of those things, right? Like, what does that matter? But we like these rags to riches story. We like to hear about them. And his company uses it. If you go to their website, right? He came from nothing, and now look what it is. And we repeat them to ourselves, right? Abraham Lincoln, we think of the log house he was born in. Even Oprah Winfrey, Haley Berry, the actress who lived in a homeless shelter for a while. Ed Sheeran, who was like obscure singer and now has great fame. We like these stories, these upward mobility stories, moving out of the rags of poverty, of insignificance, of obscurity, into the riches of wealth, multiple properties, fame. Everybody knows who you are or what you do. That's the American dream, right? These stories meant to inspire, and they give us a bit of a, a, a culture. They stir our imagination in ways. I think sometimes we might downplay them, but we all, in a sense, like to see ourselves in that way, don't we? Maybe not as a billionaire. That may not, if that's your goal, that's fine. But you probably all have a sense, whether you're a teenager, a young adult, midlife, whatever, to actually increase in your stature in the world. Move up in the world, right? Find better yourself. Upward mobility. And I think those narratives have shaped us so much that the story and the verses that were read for us this morning are going to flip it on its side in a way that we need to soak in. We need to say, are we being shaped by that view of life? More education, better this, better that, or by the life of Jesus Christ formed by the way he lived and the way he engaged in relationships. As followers of Jesus, we define ourselves not by our upward mobility, but by our downward mobility, a Christ-formed life, worshiping this friend and master Jesus who shows us a different kind of kingdom than the American dream, a different set of values. A Christian um, entrepreneur and community developer named um, Bob Luton. Here it comes right here. I'll have you move to that if you don't mind. This is what he said in this quote. The American dream collides with the vision of God's kingdom here on earth. Exposing them to be as different from each other as darkness and light Convenience, security, and status are confronted by self-sacrifice, downward mobility, and obedience. Self-sacrifice, downward mobility. What if we were so captured by that narrative that it became our goal, the way we lived, the way we measured our own lives? Rather than rags to riches, we might even say it's a riches to rags story exemplified in the life of Jesus Christ today we're beginning a series called we serve I think and uh, we are going to be looking for these next several weeks really closely at the way of Jesus and we're going to see this beautiful yet sobering model for all of us 
that we live a life marked by service, downward mobility. What might it mean for us as individuals, as a community, to actually grow as people who serve? And throughout this series, we're going to share stories of people in our own community who actually live into this picture of service. I'm looking out here and I think of many of you online that really exemplify this. Today we're privileged to have Duane and Maxine Miles share with us. This is actually their very last Sunday here at Pine Lake Covenant Church because they're moving, they're transferring their um, home to Moscow, Idaho, and we are going to miss them greatly. But I want you to hear their story before they go. A story of service. So let's take a look. I interviewed them this week. So Dwayne Maxine, what are some of the ways you've served over the years? Well, some of the ways I've served is in Stevens Ministry, uh, Meals of Care, and then the knitting the prayer shawls for the confirmation group. Kids. <laughs> Well, I've been the coffee man for quite a few years. Um, I started out singing in the choir. And I do odd jobs around the church. And whatever, whatever is needed that I can do. You flipped a lot of pancakes. Yeah, I flipped a lot of pancakes. <laughs> How did you decide where you were going to be serving? I think I decide where I've been served by the things that I've learned through my life, the experiences. I learned to cook when I was young with my mother, and uh, so that led me right into the care, meals of care. And uh, I learned to knit when my oldest daughter was a year old, and then 40 years later, I picked it up again. And um, in Stephen's ministry, um, one of our pastors said, when I asked her, well, where shall I serve? And she's the one that told me, have you ever thought about Stephen's ministry? And this was really foreign to me, but with the training you get in Stephen's ministry, it really works. And I'm a good listener, so <laughs> that's where they, you really have to be in Stephen's ministry. So. Well, I think uh, probably started back when I was little. Yeah. My dad used to say, if somebody's walking around with too much in the hand, you've got something to do. One of the things I decided to serve was the coffee hour or, or making coffee every Sunday. And it's it's fun to be in, in the part of the things that make things work. You get a lot more out of it if you're involved in it than you do just sitting there watching and I'm a mechanic by trade. I use my hands all the time. So what motivates you to serve? Well, I think that God gave me these gifts, and it's up to me to share them. And when you do share, you get more out of it than the people you're sharing with. And if you're new to a church, you got to plug in, or you're not going to become a part of that church. And so that's that's where I come from. <laughs> you meet like-minded people in your life, um, and you 
you try to try to become more in tune with everyone around you and the only way you can do it is is to work together doing something thank you Dwayne and Maxine um, they're here today thank you for sharing some of your story I was uh, moved by something Dwayne said too and you might have caught it in the video he said if someone is walking around something his dad told him someone is walking around with too much in their hands you've got something to do and both Maxine and Dwayne have exhibited this, this kind of mindset of looking for ways that they can lift up the burdens of somebody else you know this is the kind of service that in sense is looking for where you can make a difference and there's a contrast in that rather than looking for where you can make a name for yourself deciding where can I make a difference where can I serve and this is the contrast we see in the life of Jesus Christ who did not think of himself first we're going to look at the way Jesus thought of himself and give us some clues from this passage in Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open to this either uh, digitally or in print. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Now you know this book of Philippians, one of the major themes in it is the unity of the church. And Paul wrote this letter. He wrote it to a really beloved church. But they were also, as every church does, had some issues. And he had some concerns that they'd become a little too self-focused. And so he talks to them to, to not press into their own interests, their own ambitions. And this whole passage encourages them to be like-minded, to be a part of a salvation that is really not just personal, but for the whole community. Now, you, I don't know if you know, but the passage that was read for us this morning, that Braden read, is actually, as most scholars say, a hymn, one of the first hymns that's recorded in the Christian church. Or a poem. But you think of the beautiful moving words of this passage. And that they were singing it in their services. Even as we sing a song. Repeating it. In a sense they're telling not a rags to riches story. But they're telling a riches to rags story. To say this is the way Jesus lived. And so I want you to get that in your mind. To spark your imagination even now. Paul when he says this. Our unanswerable appeal to this kind of lifestyle is Jesus Christ himself. So let's take a look at this a little bit together. Because he starts there in verse 5 by saying, In your relationships with one another, we're in relationships with one another, right? That we develop a mindset and that mindset should be the same as Christ Jesus. Now, I'll tell you before I go into the details of this, I, because I've been um, walking with this text this week, there have been many times where I think, uh, that, that mindset I just had right now is not the mindset of Jesus Christ. I've been so aware of it because it's been in my mind. Like, how would Jesus approach this? How would he respond to this? And so we're going to take a look at it in this way so that we can be shaped by the life of Jesus, the story of Jesus. And so he said, I want you to have this attitude, Paul says. I want you to have this viewpoint. I want you to have this way of seeing yourself as Jesus saw himself. How did Jesus view himself? 
What was his self-sense of him, who he was? Well, this is the first thing, and it says it in verse 6. He didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't consider his own advantage. The verse before that says, he's been in very nature God. We know in nature, in essence, in the fullness of who Jesus is, is divine. It's God himself. It never changed. And yet he didn't take that advantage, that position for himself. He didn't snatch it or clutch it or hold to it. He didn't say, uh, this is who I am and you need to find, follow my way. Well, he did say that, but not in the way of, I'm God. He laid down willingly his advantages for the sake of others. Who being in the very nature God did not cut that advantage to his advantage. He didn't use it for other pe- against other people or for other people. What about us? What aspects of our position do we use for personal advantage? going to ask these questions of us as we go through this and just have us look at our mindset even now are there aspects of your position that you use for your advantage what you own what your gifts are what your education is it's all for your advantage do you use these things that God's entrusted to you to benefit yourself or others Are you starting to make a list of your advantages? I think often of students who are thinking of applying for a college and they have to list the things that are they've done and and it's it's an important thing. But in the Christian world, we list those things in order to say, not for my personal advantage, but for the good of others. What aspects of your position do you use for personal advantage? Well, the second thing of the mindset of Jesus Christ is that Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself, or as the scripture says this one, he made himself nothing. Some translations say he made himself of no reputation. He said, I I don't need to have this reputation to go. He actually gave it up his reputation for the sake of someone else. I, I don't know about you, but I guard my reputation. Like, I want people to think well of me and what I've done. And I was even down in my office area this morning and saw how I put up on display, you know, the degrees I have or whatever. My reputation. But Jesus emptied himself of his reputation. doesn't mean he emptied himself of his divinity at all. In fact, he just emptied himself enough to become human, to become like us. And it says he takes on the very nature of a servant. That term could even be uh, translated slave. So he goes from the sovereign one in the universe, controlling and creating, into a place of being a slave. Emptying himself of those things. He does it not to... you know lift himself up he doesn't avoid these places he embraces them he embraces this humanity lifestyle he embraces as we're going to find out even the lowest of lows not forced on him 
not, Jesus wasn't forced to do this. He voluntarily came to serve. And there was no hint of promoting his own status or his reputation. What about you? How concerned are you for your own reputation? Have we bought into this idea that self-promotion wins the day? That the more people know about what you've done and how great it is, that is the best thing in the world. Or do we follow Jesus' example of self-renunciation for the sake of other people? Jesus made himself nothing. He emptied himself. The next thing we, talk, we see in this passage in verse 8 is that Jesus humbled himself. It says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Paul uses these terms as kind of a double downward motion. He emptied himself, he humbled himself. We're going down, right? Jesus comes down to our level. And it says he humbled himself enough, not just to become a human, but as we know, to take on death. And not just any death, but a humiliating, violent death, which others watched even death on a cross, as it says in this passage. Jesus is not using his status for exploitation, but for self-sacrifice. You know, often we see that term humble, and we think it means, you know, not, not thinking about ourselves too much. You probably heard this before, that humility is not thinking less of yourself. That's not humility. Humility is thinking of ourselves less. It's thinking of others more than we think of ourselves, and that is the way of Jesus. He humbled himself. So where are you being called to take a lower place? I don't know where that is for you. Is it at work, in your neighborhood, in your school setting? Where, you know, maybe you have status as the head of your team the best person on the um, sports team, maybe all of those things. And where is Jesus saying, I want you to take a lower place? Jesus himself said it this way to his disciples, Matthew 23. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we can choose. Do you want to exalt yourself? Or do you want to go the downward mobility and humble yourself in order to be in the Jesus way? Jesus humbled himself. And it says in this passage, he not only humbled himself, but he became obedient. It's an interesting phrase, and I don't know exactly how that the translators put it. He became humble, or by becoming humble, uh, excuse me, by becoming obedient. So as he was going, he became more and more obedient, is the way I read it. Jesus became obedient. First, he shared in our human condition by being obedient, and then the most ultimate farthest you could go in obedience I'm going to the cross and we know it wasn't an easy obedience for Jesus because we know his his prayer in the garden if it's possible Lord take this from me but no I'm going to obey your will not your will not my will but yours be done the ultimate obedience to the ultimate cost Jesus took it full out obedience to God Now, I think we all desire to obey God, but there are times 
where we resist it. And I wonder in what ways we have resisted obedience when we felt the cost was too great. There's a cost to obedience to Jesus Christ. There was a cost to his obedience. And yet, it is the way of Jesus. It shapes and forms us into the kind of serving people that Jesus was. He became obedient. He didn't exercise his power. He gave it away for you and for I. Emptying himself. This is the mindset of Jesus. This is the way that Paul and us as Christians in this century need to say, this is the story we need to tell each other. Humbling, emptying, self-renunciation, obedient. Now, the rest of this passage is wonderful because it says that's not the end of the story, right? So if you were to read verses 9 through 11 again on this, it says, Therefore, because of all of this, God did something in Jesus' life where he exalted him, he lifted him up, he brought him to the highest place. We know that's the end of the story because Jesus chose the path that God had for him, then God exalted him to the highest place. Jesus proved his lordship by becoming a servant. The Lord takes on serfdom. The master becomes the servant. And this is the counterintuitive course of Jesus' life and for each one of ours if we are followers of him. That's the divine course. That's the kingdom way. Jesus ultimately proclaimed as Lord of everything because he first humbled himself. This is it. It's a riches where Jesus had all of heaven's riches at his disposal to rags, where he came to earth to empty himself of all his privileges, of all his advantages, of all he could have claimed for himself because he loved me. And he loved you. And he wanted us to know his way. And this is the mindset Jesus calls us to as his followers. It's a downward mobility, my friends. You may not get the status, the reputation, the resources of all so many people that go from rags to riches. But you are walking in the way of the Lord of the universe. In his way in a way of service, and it changes everything. It's a hard road, but it is, and I believe this hymn helps us see it. It's a beautiful way, my friends. It's a beautiful way to live because we don't have to think about ourselves so much. We can walk in this self-emptying way of downward mobility. David Long, in his book called Race and Place, says it this way. The self-emptying, downward mobility of the incarnation when Jesus became human is the truest picture we have of humanity submitted to God's will. And it continues to shape the character of God's mission in this broken world. This is God's mission, my friend, and you and I are invited into it. Don't consider our own advantages. Renounce ourselves. Humility. Obedience. This is what God calls us to. And I hope there's a profound beauty in that. 
so that as you hear this story or if you were in Paul's church as you sing this hymn again you're like oh what a beautiful picture I want to live into that way of life where everything is gained somehow by giving everything away We are most like Jesus, friends, when we defer to others rather than push for our own advantage. We are most like Jesus when we voluntarily put ourselves in a humble position. We are most like Jesus when we serve others rather than wait to be served. So I would pray that this riches to rags story would capture your imagination That you would look at Jesus again and again and find in him a beautiful way of living that will free you to be Christ-like in the most ultimate way and that will bless the people around you. We can't do this on our own, but we've been promised the Holy Spirit to do this. So I invite you to pray with me that the Spirit would shape these things in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess that we're often captured by stories we see in the media, by people who are prominent, popular, wealthy. And we know, Lord, that we can be captured by this mindset to go after our own way, to make our way in the world and grow up to be known. And Lord... We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who came in a totally different way to show us the way of beauty and hope. Thank you, God, that your spirit helps us to grow in this mindset. And I pray for all who are listening online or in person today that your spirit would bring it to mind this week, not to condemn us, but to remind us that there is a better way. There is a better story, and it's the way of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that we would recognize our lives aren't our own, that you are the one who wants us to give ourselves away, even as you did, for the sake of others and eventually for the kingdom and glory of God. We pray it in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.